Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. The NFL divisional round is here, and some excitement seemingly in every matchup that we'll have in that. Nothing circles the wagons quite like the National Football League. And if we've got time, there's always storylines abound in the NBA, in college basketball, and in baseball. Things we haven't necessarily touched on as much as of yet, but as we mentioned, football is king especially now as we enter into the postseason and have the official nominees for the divisional round after some okay wild card games, not all blowouts like they were last year. And there was definitely excitement in those as well, starting with who was able to advance in the Jacksonville Jaguars. Wow, the Jaguars moved on. Three teams from the NFC East that we called at the beginning of the season, the NFC least have moved on in the postseason. We've got Bengals and Bills screwing up that home field advantage situation because everybody that was going to have to deal with that won their games. Cowboys and 49ers, like it's 1995. The NFL playoffs are here, Al. Unfortunately, some of the teams, potentially your own favorite team, not along for the ride, but we had mentioned there is still time and promise for some fan bases that haven't been able to taste this area of the postseason in years, in decades, they've arrived with at least an opportunity. It could still all go chalk, and we'll end up with conference championship games, as you would probably expect to see. But at this point in the division round, there's still a lot of hope. There's still a lot of fun to bound, and that's all you can ask for if you're an outsider just watching these games or gambling on them like one of the hosts. As usual, we welcome all our regular listeners aboard. And uh, for my money, and you know, you heard a lot of hype about last weekend. Everybody was so silent. Wild, wild card weekend because it's the, the extra team and only one buy. This is always the best weekend for me. No disrespect to last weekend. The games were better than we turned out. Turned out better than we thought they were going to. We really only had, um, you know, one semi stinker, and it was the second half of Seattle and the Niners. This is the week. Four games, two double headers, winners go to the conference finals. Everybody's got a game under their belt except the one by, the one conference leader, the one number one seed in each conference. So this to me has always been the best weekend, the final four in each conference. But as I said last week, pleasantly surprised. Seattle competed. They gave the Niners a snootful for a half, and then the wheels fell off, uh, which started with a big fumble, uh, you know, by Seattle and uh, and Geno Smith uh, that ended a drive and ultimately ended the game. And then we had incredibly interesting games 
until the last one, which was, you know, we started with half of a stinker. We finished with a stinker, you know, in Dallas and Tampa. Tampa showed that they didn't belong out there. But three really competitive games. Buffalo tried really hard to give it away, dominated the Dolphins, except for the scoreboard, as Josh Allen scored a bundle of points for both teams. And you had, you know, my club going mano a mano uh, as a huge underdog against Cincinnati in a game they should have won. 14 points went on the job of fumbled the goal line. The Giants were really, to me, were the dominant team in that game against the Vikings in Minnesota, going there to take care of business. Giants up early, Vikings come back. But to me, the Giants always looked like the better team in that game. And Daniel Jones, as good a player as there was on the field over the weekend. He was wonderful. Playing tremendous, leads his team to a win. Uh, then we have, uh, you know, obviously, as I said before, uh, my team battled tooth and nail. Tooth and nail. Dominated Cincinnati you know, in the statistics. And two terrible turnovers. The first one leads to seven points. And the last one, a terrible fumble with the goal line when Huntley is instructed to run the push play a play by the way which i ironically had texted to our uh, two great friends nick wright and mike meltzer that i despise that play i think it should be illegal i have never understood you know, you know the bush push you know against notre dame and usc i could never understand how it was legal or fair to push a player from behind into either the end zone or for additional yardage to get a first down, whatever the case may be. Uh, plus you see offensive linemen charging down the field into the pile. I also think it's a risk for the players. I think any kind of push play should be made illegal. Be that as it may, ironically, that's what the Ravens ran on the goal line. And John Harbaugh kind of threw his quarterback under the bus when he said that he was supposed to go low. He said he saw action at the goal line with them in tight, thought they would go for his line and legs. So he decided, quote unquote, I tried to make a play, but at six foot one versus six foot six, I have a, tra- a la Trevor Lawrence from two yards away. It's tough to make it. And he stuck the ball out before it was close to the goal line, put it in harm's way, put it at risk. Not only was it knocked out, not only didn't the Ravens recover it, but of course, Cincinnati recovers it, and 98 yards later, it's the longest fumble recovery for a touchdown in postseason history, a 14-point swing. Ravens drive again down to the 20. Desperation pass into the end zone. Of course, right through one of the Ravens' hideous wide receivers' fingers uh, off the deflection that it looked like he could have had and missed. 24-17, Bengals move on to play the Bills. And you have this game that, People can't understand, you know, well, why do they have to go to Buffalo? Uh, you know, should we play? Still, people still bitching about not replaying that game. Look, folks, remember, when all this started and there was this tragedy and people were still having a stink once they made the decision how they were going to do it, there were rules in place that they circumvented. They had emergency rules. The emergency rules, which the Bengals voted for, went by winning percentage. Well, if they went by the emergency rules, which the Bengals voted for, and it was winning percentage, the Bengals would still be in Buffalo. They didn't have to go through the coin flip. They're right where they're supposed to be with this game having not been able to be continued. 
because of the horrendous situation on the field. Uh, now we're a few weeks later, and Buffalo's got the better, better winning percentage, so it's off to Buffalo you go. You got dominated last week, literally. You got dominated by the Ravens with their backup quarterback and a former MVP, not even on the sideline, and you were lucky to win the game. It's not like the Bills game where the Bills were lucky to win, not because they were outplayed, because they almost gave the game away because of turnovers that resulted in scores for the Dolphins and turnovers that shortened drives and turnovers that resulted in more points for the Dolphins, etc. The Bills did their best to hand the game to Miami. Miami wasn't good enough to take it with their third-string quarterback. On the other end, Cincinnati didn't hand anything to Buffalo or to, to, to Baltimore. Baltimore dominated them. And then Baltimore handed 14 points to them, which was the game. So big difference. And we'll talk about picks later on. But that game to me is right where it is supposed to be. Philly and the Giants. Giants, as I said, going to Minnesota. I've played in the entire game. Dallas and Tampa we'll get to momentarily. No surprise there. Tampa showed us like they did not belong in the playoffs. I want your thoughts. Let's start there, and you can lead on that game. Have we seen the last, again, of Tom Brady? Woof, from what that performance was. That's really all you could say for it. I will say, credit to Tom Brady, DraftKings had their little super boost to reel all these regulars in and the fair-weathered gamblers with their little Tom Brady will throw more than one and a half touchdowns. So I just needed him to get to two. And I thought at home, you know, he'll walk into a couple at some point, right? Well, we really had to sweat that one out just to get to two. And then of course, Mike Evans drops a potential third that would have made things a little bit more fun before the two minute warning. Obviously, what did he throw? Did he throw 85 times in that game? I think he's still throwing on the field. They're, they're still having him out there throw. 66 passes, and he completed 35 of them. Was that a playoff? I, I didn't follow up on it. Was that a playoff record for most attempts? It has to be up there, especially I, in, in an early game like this and in a loss like this lopsided. Man. NFL attempts, single game playoffs. Ben Roethlisberger leads the way with 68. Just missed it. Just so he's in second now because it was Steve Young and Dan Marino. Ben Roethlisberger against the Cleveland Browns in 2021. So old Ben Roethlisberger, old Tom Brady, throwing the ball 60-plus times. Not what you're looking for. Tom Brady, of course, 62 passes. You may remember February 5th, 2017 against the Atlanta Falcons. Significant to some. So I don't think, despite how ugly things looked, and they did look ugly, I don't think he's one of the worst passers in the league still. I don't know how great that is for the other quarterbacks that would be below him in how they look and how they handle games. You know, Brock Purdy threw for four touchdowns. There's still some times where he lets the ball go, and you're like, well, he's, he's got nothing on this thing. It's just this little floater that goes out there eight yards. And thankfully you've got Debo Samuel or somebody out there that can catch it. So you don't have to worry about it. Just get it out there, man. It doesn't matter how crisp it looks. And of course you think, well, 
maybe there's people to blame for this. Is it Todd Bowles being a head coach for God knows what reason? Is it putting the blame, we need a scapegoat, so we'll fire Byron Leftwich as OC, despite him winning a Super Bowl two years back? We'll fire, I think, seven other people from their staff they let go along with Brian Leftwich today. Of course, one of the only women in the NFL on a staff, she got fired, because I'm sure it was her fault that Tom Brady can't throw football much anymore. So I don't know if it's, if he gets a better offensive line, obviously the talent at the wide receiver court was already there. The running backs were already there. So blame the line, blame the defense if you want for giving up 31 points. But you got to put the blame. Unfortunately, most of it goes on the quarterback. That's just how it goes. That's what you sign up for. That's what fans are looking at most often than not. They're not looking at the line and then seeing the routes and stuff. You're watching where the quarterback's going to throw the football. It was ugly, but I still don't know if it's it. Like if he gets taken from the Bucks, like a roller coaster tycoon video game and you grab him by the scruff of the jersey and drop him somewhere else. I mean, what if he went to the 49ers? He's probably regretting that now. Look how good they're doing with what they've got at quarterback. He turned them down. Now, of course, you win a Super Bowl, lest I'll not forget, should have ridden off into the sunset when you were throwing the trophy into the, in, over the lake on the yacht. That should have been it, man. You didn't need to go through all this nonsense. You didn't need to ruin your family life for this. But I still think if he goes to the right situation, there's a chance he could be okay enough. Like he's not Al Peyton Manning last year bad. Let's, let's stop right there. I, I want to focus in on something you just said, because that to me is the most important element of it. Throwing the Super Bowl you trophy said, over the water? No, no. no. <laughs> because that, that, if he didn't retire then, he clearly should have retired last year, which I talked about and said to you and bragged that I was right. Agreed. And said, this is now the time. Watch the kids. It's going to be a hell of a lot more important to them. It, it, it's now their time to see dad in the stands. Yep. Uh, this is the most important time of their lives. You're going to be there for them. You've done everything you can do. You went out and you had an incredible comeback against the Rams. After you looked dead in the water, you almost brought your team all you did bring your team all the way back only to have the Rams you know, go down the field and, and score at the gun after they fumbled you know, all over the field to put your team back in it. When it looked like you were dead in the water and here was your opportunity uh, to walk away with your head high a heroic effort bringing your team back after you won the Super Bowl with Tampa. And what did you do? You retired. But you couldn't stay retired. You just couldn't do it. And now the family breaks up. You look like you need to eat some cheeseburgers and fries. And you know, here we are again. And I say to you quite simply, what could possibly be the right situation? He's playing against five guys. But what is the right situation? What is the team that's the the team for Tom Brady that's going to be able to protect him, right? That's going to have cap space. That's going to be this quote unquote right fit. It's got to be an ideal fit. Please tell me who it's going to be. The name people are throwing around as the number one is the Las Vegas Raiders, and I can't see that but, if but, you put but it right that's, in front. That's, of me. They stink. Exactly. 
Why is that the team that people are throwing out there? Mediocre. Their offensive line is mediocre at best, and they're going to be in a very tough division. Your team can't possibly be that bad again next year. We know Kansas City is going to be terrific, barring an injury to their quarterback. And we know that the Chargers, despite Brandon Staley, should be real good. Six so, times so, a year, you're playing those three guys. And then, obviously, whoever happens to be the teams on that schedule. So you're going to go play for Josh McDaniels? Really? <laughs> I look. The, it it the blew my mind that this is the like. If that's there the is guy. one, if there is an ideal situation in terms of the team, it's his childhood team. It's the Niners, but they now have three quarterbacks. Right, Garoppolo will obviously be gone, but they've got his. How shall we say? You know, Tom Brady 2.0, Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, stepping in. Yeah. Going to take a team to a Super Bowl? We'll see. But they also have a guy who they spent how many first round draft picks on? Right. There's plus two to trade up in the draft to get Stu Lance, who didn't play it down this year. So he's going to go there where they already got two young quarterbacks who have a combined NFL lifespan of. Well, I guess if we're going to count Lance's year this year, a total of three years, two years on the field, whatever it was last year, and a little bit the party's been on the field this year. Yeah. So he's going to go to that team. What are they going to do with those two guys? So I, I don't see the right situation for Tom Brady. Not Miami anymore, has no. a quarterback. What are they going to do with their quarterback? What are they going to do with two? Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? Unless, I don't care. Unless Tua, to to, Tua would have Back to, to walk away from the game of football, you would think, for that to be a case where they literally had no other option. But if you have Tua, why would you invest in Tom Brady for a season? We saw what happened when the Colts needed someone and an old quarterback went there. Well, there wait a second. That, that could be it. That could be the, the Colts could take one more go-round with a 112-year-old quarterback. Why not? One more for the Gipper. Why not? Phil Rivers. All right. The brittle, broken. I'm not even going to count Carson Wentz because he's not that old. He's just hideous. Well, you know, the second uh, amongst uh, the uh, the three Stooges. I shouldn't call. No, I shouldn't. No, that, that's being disrespectful. Phil Rivers played well, as well as could be expected for his age. He left it all on the field like he always did. He went back to his uh, what was it, 27 kids. Um, was he at nine? Is that nine? He's at nine. But La- from last update, I mean, we don't know how right. he's retired. He's been he's been out of the limelight. So there's yeah. I mean, they may have put the rover out there for the you know the tenth player. But um, you know, the, the Colts have the tendency to go for these old folks. We're not obviously they're not going to do it again. But I, I don't see that quote unquote ideal situation out there for him anywhere. That's the other aspect about it. Where's the great offensive line he's going to sit behind that needs a quarterback and would take a risk on a 45-year-old quarterback? It makes no sense to me for him to come back. Zero. Now, to me, the best option would be Tampa because there's no competition there. Right. 
you're it. They they need to you know clean up on aisle nine. They need to fix the offensive line, get healthy, and need to give a couple more weapons. Mike Evans is getting old. Leonard Fournette can't stay on the field. You know, they could use a, a big-time running back to help him out of the backfield. Uh, they could use another wide receiver because you know the, that, that group is not what it was. They're aging now. They've been injury-prone. They're not what they were a couple of years ago. And it, for the life of me, it's just – it's time. It's it, – you know. You know, Tampa Tom, Father Time. Listen to Father Time. Pack it in. Hang it up. Put some weight on. Right, don't look gaunt. Looks way too thin in the face. Since the marriage is broken up, no coincidence. Maybe it's coincidence. I don't know. But he looks much, his face looks much thinner, much more drawn. I mean, not unhealthy, but, you know, even though you know, all he ever ate were shakes, you know, and, and avocado juice and whatever else. Uh, no condiments, no chips. No strawberries. Can't have you it. You know, he still had, you know, he, he he looks he looks much thinner now in the face. Doesn't look nearly as healthy and is full. And it, maybe it's just me. I, I don't know, but it, to me, it, it's coincided with the breakup of his marriage. It had to have some kind of met, some mental strain, I would think, logically. He was human. And I just, you know, again, I don't care. But I also don't want to see the guy get hurt. I don't want to see him struggle as much as I never liked the Patriots or even never liked him. Because you you want to see a guy go out with his dignity. You know, I don't want to see Willie Mays falling around a center field. I don't want to see Joe Willie Namath limping all over the place. I don't want to see O.J. Simpson, you know, on one leg. I, and I, I thought he was smart enough to say, it's time. We'll see. Because it is time. It's time. I don't know what other goal you think you're going to be able to reach if you come back. What's going to change so much that's going to get you past the wild card game, past the divisional round, into the championship game, then then get to the Super Bowl? Who? What magic is there going to be? Even in the shit division that you're in, that's another reason to stay. Is you got into the postseason at eight and nine. I just don't understand how you think things will change to such a degree. We talked about it when they they ran it back, they won the Super Bowl. Let's run it back. Well, you didn't get it done. You got close, but it didn't Let's happen. Run it back. So let's run it back. You're not just playing for well. It was nice to get back to the postseason. You're Tom Brady, man. You're playing for Super Bowls now, not MVPs, which understandably so. But you're playing to get at least back to the Super Bowl and to win one. Let's bring everybody back. We're going to run it back. Everybody's coming back. We're going to run it back. Doesn't happen, which we've talked Ask about. The Chiefs. Ask the Chiefs. So it seems like. You want to give yourself one more year. Okay, this is it. We came up short. Maybe I could do it again. Sour taste in your mouth. All the cliches. I'm sure, as you're saying, this year was incredibly difficult off the field. And it started in training camp where he was skipping some days and weeks and missing time and having to deal with all this at the press conferences and stuff. Maybe you bring in a new face at OC. You get a couple pieces and you think, all right, one last ride. Let's figure it out. One more go, and I'm letting everybody know now before the season, this is my last year. 
Just put it to bed already. That's it. We're done. But you said it. He looks like he should at this stage of his career with what he's had to deal with. And you think about, I was having this conversation the other day with a group of friends about, obviously, Michael Jordan being the GOAT, Tom Brady being the GOAT, etc. But if you take a step back for their lives off the court and off the field, who's Tom Brady going home to when he gets blown off the field 31-14 the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Nobody. Who's Michael Jordan going home to when he's with the Wizards grinding out that shitty season at 40 just trying to keep that competitive drive alive for the team that he's now involved with, hoping that maybe he could give them a couple wins because he hates watching them suck, thinking in his head, I could do it better than these dudes. Who's he going home to? His son's fucking Scottie Pippen's ex-wife. That's how his home life is. It's nice to have all these trophies and accolades and titles and mansions and cars and everything. Yes, no question. You're historic. But if you take a step back, just a little one. I mean, it's got to suck to just go home to nothing, man. We watched the last dance. You saw what happened to that dude off the court because he's so fucking competitive. You can't keep people in your life if you're like that because you don't have time for it. And if they're not as competitive as you, you don't want to be around them. So you have acquaintances, you have gambling buddies, you go out and play golf, you have cigars, you play poker. The lights are going to go on eventually. The sun's going to rise the next day. And who are you going to be with? Your dog, maybe if you're lucky. The maids, the chefs. That's all you got. That sucks if you think about it. Winning is is great, yes, but Jesus, man. You have to just think about how rewarding was it if you have nothing left when it's over with? That's why we always put such a high value on our dogs because they're always there. That's right. They don't care when you show up. They don't care how long you've been away. As long as you show up eventually, they're happier to clam. All right? Because as far as they're concerned, they don't know how long you were gone. All they know is you're back and they're happy. I don't care about your six finals trophies, your seven Super Bowls. Just when's dinner time? Glad you're home. Get the food out for me, will you? Give me a give me a face to lick. All right. Let's go for a walk. Feed me. All right. Let's play. Pretty simple. Yeah. And the dog's life. They don't need a cage or a doghouse. They've got the whole mansion to roam because nobody else is there anymore. Anyway, speaking of other games. Did it surprise you at all that the Vikings finally came down to earth and looked like the team that people kind of in the back of their mind figured they would be with all those one score games that they somehow were able to win this one. You kind of got the sense as it was going on. And as you mentioned, the giants played fantastic. Daniel Jones was great. No mistakes. Saquon Barkley was great. Daniel Jones even ran for more yards than he did just to show you how good of a game he had. But the end of the game kind of tells the tale of the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins where they need eight yards and they throw for three. <laughs> the game's over. Season's over. What are you doing? Throw it down the field. Try to get something, man. You throw it to TJ Hawkinson. What magic do you think he's going to bring on this little three-yard safety out route deal? Oh, it was deserved, in my opinion. 
I'm glad the Giants won that football game. So am I. They were the better team the whole game. They deserved to win. They played harder. They played better. They were more consistent. They ran the ball. John, Vikings couldn't run the ball. Um, you know, my guy, uh, you know, Cook, who I love, uh, was really not much of a factor. And, you know, Barkley was. That's huge. But he was a factor. Made some big plays. You know, touchdown running, ran over the big defensive lineman. Ran well, ran hard, looks healthy. And, you know, Jones was the best player on the field. They shut down Justin Jefferson. They weren't going to let Justin Jefferson beat him. They blanketed him. They made Cousins go underneath with anything to Justin Jefferson. They didn't let him take the top off. And Jones, you know, I can grant it. This Minnesota defense is, I'll be kind and say that they're just not very good. You know, some would say hideous. Some would say non-existent. Some would say awful. Their defense is not very good. And they took them apart. The Giants' supposed poor wide receivers made big plays. They made great catches. They ran great routes. Jones threw the ball well. He ran the ball well. And Brian Dable is showing, one, that he's a terrific coach, and two, what coaching can do. Now, yes, experience helps, and Daniel Jones is getting older. Not old, but older, which we all get every year. And he is now continuing to improve and has shown he is a legitimate NFL cal- starting caliber quarterback. He's raised the level of his game. He's taken it to uh, the point where he is a legitimate dual threat, not just running on broken plays, designed runs and throwing from the pocket. Excellent scheme. They use his legs, but they also have him throwing from the pocket. Uh, using all the receivers, they complained the receivers are terrible. 18 looked pretty good to me. All right, 17, the tight end looked pretty good to me. I know they had one who dropped that would put the game away, but they look a whole lot better than the Ravens' receivers, you know, with the exception of, of uh, you know Mark Andrews. So I thought the, the receiving core was pretty darn good. They made some really big catches. And Jones made all the right decisions. He made all the right plays. He had all the right moves. Again, mediocre defense at best. They basically did whatever they wanted. Through the air, on the ground, diversified attack, excellent play calling. And Brian Dable has done a great job coaching this player and seeing him evolve and improve and using his entire skill set to make him a constant threat, both from the pocket, designed runs, and scrambles. And it, it's, look, let's give the Giants credit. And again, we had the under over on this program five, and I went under. And I went under with confidence. Not only did they overachieve, they're in the playoffs and they went on the road and they played really well and they were the best team on the road against a division winner and won a game that they absolutely deserve to win. So, and he's the coach of the year. And there's no doubt in my mind that he's the coach of the year. He's done a fabulous job. His offensive coordinator has done a great job. Their play calling, you know, people forget what a good player Saquon Barkley is. Saquon Barkley's a really good player. 
really good player. And he's healthy now. And when you got one of the, I mean, in terms of an every down back, he's clearly a top five back. Am I wrong? When he's healthy, there's no question about it. Who's a better all-around three-down threat? For whatever you want to call it. Who's a better every-down back in the league, both running it and catching it than Barkley? Josh Jacobs, maybe running it at least. I don't think catching it. Everybody loves McCaffrey, but McCaffrey's not going to carry 25 times a game. He's a wonderful all-around back. But you know, McCaffrey is going to be 15 touches, maybe 20, if he if he runs at 10 or 12 and catches eight. You know, this guy is 25, 30 times in terms of touches. Right. 20, 22, 20, 22 carries, and then you know, five, six, eight, eight catches. You know, Barkley's, and and he seems like he's getting stronger because he was a wonderful back before he got hurt. He was a game breaker. Now he looks not quite the same game breaker, but he looks like more of a running. Much, he looks more physical. He looks like more north south. Still make people miss. Can still move well. Got the he's he's got the speed, but he looks stronger. He looks more aggressive. He looks like a grown up. He looks like a big time, full grown in my prime NFL running back. And there aren't a lot of them that play every down. And the Giants got one, and they'll probably franchise him this year and sign Jones to an extension. But you know, when you got a full-time, big-time back, obviously the guy in Tennessee is probably number one. Uh, I guess he is number one. Is there any doubt he's number one? I think yeah. I don't think there's any doubt he's number one. But other than him, who does he really take a back seat to? That's right. This was a. It wasn't a breakout year because we know Saquon Barkley is, but it was a stay healthy and have that chemistry with your quarterback. He'll probably win comeback player of the year, don't you think? I would think so. And a huge impact. Incredible. Huge impact. You look at what they did this year and you think, I mean, we got to get these guys some weapons at the wide receiving core. Then we got something going. Not to say well, that they didn't have a great game, but like Isaiah, Isaiah Hodgins and Darius Slayton, <laughs> Richie James catching passes for you in the National Football League. I thought Isaiah Hodgins played a great game. I did too. I would just say you probably have to get a couple other guys to help out. Now, injuries and everything, of course, happen to your team. I would Understand. think they would draft one in the first couple of rounds. Yeah. Why not? There's plenty of them out there. And And just to show you how well he's got this team prepared and coaching them and having them ready to play. Who's been more maligned on this team than Kenny Galladay? Right. Signed as a free agent. They paid him a fortune. He's been a bust. Very, very minimal contribution. And he goes into this game and makes a – and this isn't just a get-in-the-way wide receiver block. You know, when they say – you know, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill made a nice block downfield. Watchman, it's him getting in the way of a linebacker or a cornerback. He made a big time block downfield where he stuck his nose right into it and buried the guy on a running play. Uh, that was a huge play for, I believe, a first down in Vikings territory. And that showed me when he's going to go in and do that, 
that there's a guy who is ready to play. He's not worried about the fact that, you know, he's been criticized. He's not worried about the fact that he's not getting the time he wanted. He's not worried about the fact that he's not getting any targets. He went out there with a plan to do his job on that play, block as a wide receiver, make a big-time block, and help the team. And to me, that's about a coach. Yeah, absolutely. It's about a coach having his players all in, ready to play, and when they get called on, doing everything they can to do their job to help their team. The game that was given away, not necessarily a shocker because it's been happening to this franchise for years, so much so that there's a verb about it, one that Brandon Staley even brought up when he took the job before the season about chargering how that's been a thing that they hope to change 27 to seven headed into halftime could have even been worse than that trevor lawrence should have been worse than that four interceptions probably one of the worst first halves you could play they have five possessions the rest of the second half do the jacksonville jaguars they score on all five of them they win the game 31 30 over justin herbert in the Los Angeles Chargers. I wouldn't let Staley get on the plane if I was the owner. Incredible. But they allowed it. And he's still the coach at this point. Fired everybody else. Of course. That was the problem. Everybody else. I texted Nick right at halftime, our great friend, who loves Brandon Staley. And we've been going at this now for a couple of years. And I said to him, I can't think of the last time I thought a coach should be fired with a 27-7 lead at halftime in the playoff game. He texts me back, what could he have possibly done wrong there at 27-7? After the punt on another bad possession by Jacksonville at 27-0, they've got the ball in their own territory relatively deep Getting down towards the two-minute warning. Jacksonville's on their heels. They're in mammoth trouble. They're in disarray. And they've got a third and one. And if they get this first down, they can basically finish the first half any way they want. They can throw it. They can run it. But the key is to, worst-case scenario, get in 27 nothing. And on third and one, he calls, or his offensive coordinator he lets him call a jet sweep to, you know, the, the eighth string wide receiver, the little white guy that gets nothing. They have to punt, bad punt. Jacksonville gets the ball with her, 45 approximately, goes right down the field, scores before, at halftime and has life. They should have went in, worst case scenario, 27 nothing. Instead, it's 27-7. Jacksonville's got a little life to them. They're at home. And then the next thing you know, you got a game. He, he, he's just, he, he's lost. He's lost. You know, Mr. Fourth down goes for the field goal on fourth and three. And I'm not saying that, you know, that's not the play, but now you decide to go for three when you got a chance to put the game away. What happened to, you know, Mr. Balls to the wall, go for fourth down all the time. I, there's just no rhyme or reason to what he does. And by not using his timeouts, he was cooked. As soon as they started moving the ball, I, I texted out that he's done. Their ass is grass. They got no chance. They can't stop the clock. They're going to take it down and kick the field goal to win the game. And that's exactly what they did. 
after they got the two-point conversion, the gutsy, crazy, whatever you want to call it, a ballsy two-point conversion, you know, where the prince reaches out with his six-foot-six frame and uh, you know, just sticks the ball over the over the goal line, but breaks the plane to pull over the 30-28. And his young quarterback can't get anything going, who, by the way, I thought, and I don't know if it's the ribs, but he has not been nearly, even though they had the big lead, he was not that good in this game. He missed a lot of throws. The throw we had wide open in the end zone before halftime, uh, off the last turnover, I think it was off the punt that went off the guy's head. Brutal. Um, I, I mean, there was nobody near him. He That's missed a good play he, call, too. and He threw the ball 10 yards over his head. Yep. So, again, maybe it, maybe it's the ribs. I don't know, but he didn't look great. He didn't make a lot of great throws. He missed a lot of open guys, and they never ran the ball. They never ran the ball. That doesn't make any sense. They did everything possible to lose that game, and they did. Plain and simple. They kept giving him momentum. They never got anything going in the second half, and I just – I'm sorry if I'm the owner. And granted, the Spanos family is known for being – frugal and not wanting to give up a lot of control, but I'm hiring Sean Payton in a heartbeat. Whatever you want. Here it is. Because how many more years is going to happen with the Chargers? Because it's the same thing year after year after year after year. They lose more games when you're like, you, you say, what happened? And yet it, go, it goes way back. It goes back. Years and years and years in the postseason. And yes, it goes back to Marty Schottenheimer. It goes back, you know, obviously you know, with, with all the years of Phil Rivers. And you don't want it to be the same with this quarterback. But I'm sorry, I don't like this coach. I just don't like this coach. Yeah, you might have to just view it like college teams aren't afraid to do with now. You get a couple seasons if it doesn't work. Sorry, man, we got to let you go if we got a young quarterback like Justin Herbert. Because you're going to have to start paying him. And once you start doing that, we know what happens to NFL teams. you got to be lucky in these early couple of years with these guys. And there's only so much time for that to happen. I don't know why they would hold on to him for much longer if this is going to be what the end result is. Shake it up a little bit. Because it was a disaster. Three points in the second half. And Trevor Lawrence looked exactly like Nick Wright said, the king. <laughs> it, was, it was refreshing to see him come back from that, and that's such a huge win for that franchise to be able to have under their belt. Doug Peterson, you know, this is just another day at the office. Of course we're going to win. But for a young team like that to be able to do it, to have confidence now moving forward, that's huge for the franchise. Now, whether or not it's going to carry over as we take a look at the divisional games and see who we think will win them, after that great come-from-behind win, the Jaguars are rewarded by going to Kansas City to play the Kansas City Chiefs. Great. <laughs> Thanks for that. Didn't it help us out with anybody else? Now we got to go play the Chiefs now. Okay. The line is nine. It was eight, eight and a half. The Vegas folks are trying to get you to, okay, touchdown and a field goal. We'll have it. They always know where to put the number to get you to bite where they want you to put the money. 
I have a hard time thinking the Chiefs don't win this football game and most likely cover that spread. If the Chargers were able to do that, I don't see the Chiefs having one of their stupid games where they struggle early, where they can't get anything going, and you get into the fourth quarter and look around and go, how is this game so close? I think they'll be okay in this one. Well, I certainly think they'll score. I mean, that's that's not a concern. Uh, Jacksonville's got a lot of weapons. Uh, they, they brought over a guy in free agency who I loved at A&M. He does not get a lot of publicity uh, because you know, he doesn't catch 120 passes. He doesn't have 20 yards to catch. But Christian Kirk is a clutch wide receiver. He has great hands. He gets open. He's great after the catch. I loved him at A&M. Uh, he was solid uh, for Arizona. They signed him as a free agent, spent a lot of money on him. People were like, oh, it's Christian Kirk. I think he is a perfect fit for uh, Trevor Lawrence. He's kind of his safety net, a go-to guy on third down, a guy he trusts, a guy who finds a way to get open. Uh, you know, He's got Marvin Jones uh, Jr., who is – seemingly been in the league for 20 years and still gets open all over the field. Uh, people were very critical when they drafted Travis Etienne. Um, was it at the end of the first round or first pick in the second round? First pick in the second round? I think it was their first pick in the second round, Yeah, which is which is like a first round pick. But people were like, you know, how do you take a running back there? And you know, his first year he was hurt. And you know, this is, I don't want to say it's as good as, but you know, Joe Burrow said, take my guy. Don't take the white, don't, don't take the offensive lineman from Oregon. You know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get out. I'll, I'll find a way to stay out of harm's way. Get me my guy. Get me Jamar Chase. How'd that turn out? Well, they went out and got Trevor Lawrence's guy. And that's turned out pretty good too. Had this huge fourth down run. He can fly. He's healthy. He can run it. He can catch it. He's a really good little running back. That doesn't have a lot of size, but he is dangerous. He's dangerous running it. He's dangerous catching it out of the backfield. And that's turned out to be you know, a great fit. He's healthy, and he's a huge weapon for them. They have weapons. They have weapons. They can score. Uh, but can they stop this Kansas City offense? We'll see. Uh, I never bet overs. What's the number? Um, let me guess. Let me guess. I'm going to say it's 54 and a half. 52 and a half. Well, I'm high. Wow. Well, I think that game goes over. There you go, folks. I think that game goes over. And, and, and folks, remember, not only, you know, I'll speak for myself. Am I horrible at this? <laughs> I, I can't, no shot on picking under. That's why I never bet them. I never bet totals. Never, ever, ever, ever. Because I am horrible at it. And I always think that, also think that the under is, is a bet that you're, you know, you're never safe. You're never, at least the over, you're thinking, okay, well, I still got a shot. I still got a shot. I still got, the under, you have to hold your breath the entire game. It's the worst to watch a game with the under. Like, if you want to bet one, just don't turn it on and check with the final No, just don't, don't. Just bet it and leave. Yeah. I didn't go do something else. Bet it and go to the library. The funny thing about the under is... Do people still go to the library? Bet it and go to the library. (laughs) 
the funny thing of the under is that's one of the only bets you can make where you're winning it when you start. You're winning. You've won at this moment. You're winning for most of the game. You could win for the whole thing. But if you look at it that way, you're winning. You're winning your bet for the most longest time possible. And then it obviously can go to hell in a handbasket, as they say, very quickly. The over, as you mentioned, you're watching, you're just rooting. Let's go. It's much easier to root for and watch an over than an under. Oh, it's the most miserable experience. And then you're dealing with end of game free throws if it's close. And then you're dealing with overtimes. If that happens, it's just laterals for laterals for safeties and touchdowns. Scott Van Pelt has one of the greatest ideas in TV history when they decided to put these bad bets on television and say, this is what we deal with every week as gamblers. Yes. Let the public that doesn't do this know. Maybe they'll (laughs) stay away. Giants are at Eagles. An incredible divisional matchup in the divisional round. Great for the NFC East. Great for Pennsylvania. Great for New York. Philly will be burning to the ground either way, win or lose. The rivalry what a great thing to say. forever. What a great thing to say about a city. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Philly sports well, fans, it doesn't matter what the difference. They can win or well, lose. It's going to look the exact same way when the dust settles in the morning. We'll tear the town down if we win. Yep. And uh, did it if we lose. You want to put grease on the lamppost? That's great. We'll cut the lamppost down. How about that one? We can't climb them. Neither can you. And we're going to cover ourselves and cover ourselves our grease. Cover ourselves in grease and come to your house. <laughs> Whack jobs, but it'll be a great environment to say the least. Spread is eight on this one. Over under is forty eight. I mean, it's hard to say no to the Eagles. The obvious red flag or worry is the health of Jalen Hurts. No question about that because Giants are coming in hot. And now you get to see, was all that rest going to be the difference? Is he ready to go? Can he use his legs? I mean, you can't come into this game and not say that the Eagles are going to win it, I don't think, just based on their resume to this point. But, man, the Giants are playing great. They're playing their best football at the most perfect time. I think this is closer than eight. I'll give the Eagles the slight advantage, but I think eight is a lot for this game. And I'm going to go the other way. I think, uh, you know, I I think the clock strikes midnight for the Giants, not because it's anything against the Giants. I think the Eagles uh, were going to be helped by the rest. And I think the Eagles are going to be ready and raring to go. And I think it's all about that pass rush. Can the giant offensive line neutralize it? And the Eagles keeping Daniel Jones in the pocket. Yes, Barkley will break some runs. Absolutely. I don't expect him to be able to 25 yards rushing. But to me, the key for the Eagles is to keep Daniel Jones from making plays outside the pocket. Getting loose third down runs, designed runs, and scrambles that turn into big plays down the field when he breaks containment in the pocket and uh, on broken plays, finds people open, big first downs, etc. I would want to keep him in front of me. Do not let him get outside. 
keep him in the pocket, make him beat you throwing the ball down the field from the middle of the field. I think that's huge for the Eagles. Uh, Eagles will score. They'll get their points. But they need to make sure, they, they need to break Daniel Jones' spirit. They need to break the young quarterback's spirit. They need to take him down a few times. Because, uh, you know, you go down a few times, that ball starts coming a little early. And next thing you know, he could have a couple turnovers, short field. I like the Eagles. Again, no knock on the Giants. Great respect for what they've accomplished. But I like the Eagles in this game uh, 30 to 20. So that's a cover. That's a cover. Eagles blew out the Giants at MetLife on December 11th, 48-22. But in Philly, Giants lost 22-16 on January 8th. So playing their best football kept that one close but obviously the quarterback situation was a little different injuries etc rest etc it's going to be exciting and as we mentioned if you're thinking of driving anywhere near philadelphia on saturday night consider turning around and taking an alternate route probably at least until monday win or lose Bengals and bills here it is folks the rematch Spread is five and a half in favor of the Bills. The over-under is 49. This one, if the offenses do that thing where they can't do much, might be looking at a 17-13 type of game. It wouldn't be surprising to see that, where you're looking at each team whenever they get the ball, like, okay, are you going to do something now? Or no, not yet? Got it. Seems like this is the Bills game to lose. We obviously have no idea what would have happened the last time they played. You can't go by a 7-3 matchup in the first quarter. But I would lean Buffalo's way at home. This is one of those seasons that, with everything that's happened to them on and off the field, that you just kind of get that feeling that they'll be able to figure it out. And the Bengals can disappear when they shouldn't. Home field, I think, plays... A lot of importance in this game, but as you had mentioned earlier in this show, you just wonder if Josh Allen has too many of those what-are-you-doing type of plays. He just has to relax and stop trying to force things and do stupid things. You're going to be fine if you don't do that. Just do what your coach is telling you and do with what's worked. Hand the ball off every once in a while. Throw one for five or six yards. Take it easy, and the game plan will work. Don't be an idiot. There's my analysis. I think the Bills win. I think the Bills win. I think the Bills win big. Uh, You know, we talked about Georgia with the game where they didn't play very well, and uh, they got by Ohio State, and they knew that they got lucky. Yeah. And they dodged a bullet. Not that they played horribly. They just didn't play anywhere near their best game, and Ohio State played well. And you know, they pulled the rabbit out of the head with the missed field goal at the end. Uh, The Bills moved the ball, but they were so sloppy with it. Their defense was played well. Although, again, as we talked about, there were a lot of drop passes that could have been big plays, so they'll have to play better. But I don't see that happening again. I think they'll come out focused. I think they'll come out ready. I think, you know, this is their opportunity. And 
they want to get back to that championship game, whether it's Kansas City or Jacksonville, doesn't matter. This is the game that's standing in the way to get there. I think that they probably want to also, you know, put away this notion that, oh, well, you know, uh, Cincinnati would have beat them. Granted, they're in their own building and they were at Cincinnati. But I, I think they want to really make a statement in this game to show people, you know, last week was you know, us being sloppy. Last week was us not being focused. This is the real us. And I think Josh Allen will be very, very heavily into doing all the right things in this game. I think you're going to see the, the great Josh Allen. Uh, Bills. 34. Bengals. 20. Wow. Let's cook, as the kids say. Sunday evening, the almost nightcap, another incredible NFC rivalry. Cowboys at the 49ers. Spread is four in favor of San Francisco. Over-under is 46 and a half. Dak Prescott really showed us something last week. Now, Tampa Bay's defense hasn't been great, obviously, but you still got to put your money where your mouth is, especially a week after looking like caca against the commanders. Dak Prescott, I think four passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, 305, 75% completion percentage. Like, this was it. This is the guy. But as a Cowboys fan in a game like that, you're almost screaming at the TV like, hey, man, save some for next week, will you? It's like in baseball where your team's winning like 15 to three and they're pouring it on in the eighth. And you're just thinking like, can you save a couple for tomorrow? Cause you're going to come out and lose three, two. That's how baseball goes. Save a couple for tomorrow. That might've been the thinking for folks watching Dak Prescott tear up the Tampa Bay defense. This is great, but we're going to need these against the 49ers. I am feeling silly for saying that I want to ride this 49ers wagon to the promised land. I just can't trust this Dallas Cowboys football team in the postseason. They have too many things go against them and bounce not their way. Ever since Jerry Jones unceremoniously fired Jimmy Johnson, nothing good has happened to the Dallas Cowboys and nothing good will happen to them while he owns the team. So why would I go against that mantra that I've been saying since 1995. Not true. I wasn't paying that much attention, but it's been several years now. Nothing good happens to the Dallas Cowboys while Jerry Jones owns the team. And this will be that game. 49ers at home, they'll figure out a way to do just enough. And win, maybe in spite of Brock Purdy, but they're playing some of their best football because Brock Purdy had a hell of a game last week. What's the number? Four. I actually think it's cheap. That's probably because it's Brock Purdy. Uh, I have all week long been thinking Cowboys in this game. But then I think back to the notion of last year and years gone by where we tend to put too much into these first-round wildcard games where a team played really well against a dog. And the Cowboys played really well against the dog. Tampa was awful. And again, we've talked about this before. Think about the fact that they were in the postseason with a losing record. 
that means they played the worst division in football six times. They played those three teams a total of six times. And they still wound up overall with a losing record. So that's just further evidence of how bad Tampa was on the pecking order of playoff teams. Yes, Dallas looked really good. Yes, the mediocre Dak looked like the great Dak. But Dak got to do whatever he wanted against Tampa. I don't think he'll be able to do whatever he wanted against the San Francisco defense. Now, look, they didn't look great against Seattle. And Dallas got got some game breakers. But unless Dallas is able to run the football on a relatively consistent basis, and I don't mean, you know, if Dallas winds up with under 50 yards rushing in this game, they get 75 to 100 yards on the ground, I think they got a real shot. I don't think they will. As long as Brock Purdy doesn't shoot himself in the foot and with a rookie quarterback, who knows? Because on the other side of the, the spectrum, if I'm Dallas, I, another guy, I want to make him beat me from the pocket. And I can't let Samuel have these 10-yard catches and 60-yard runs. You must tackle against San Francisco. You must tackle. I mean, McCaffrey and Samuel can literally go 70 yards on you in a heartbeat. Brandon Ayuk, not really the huge plays, but deep over the middle, uh, the slants and the runs after the, after the catch. They got a lot of weapons, but I want to make them beat me. They always say, coach loves to run the ball, loves to pound the ball. You know what? Run the ball. If I'm Dallas, I want them to try and run the ball down my throat. Beat me on the ground. I want to take away passes down the field. I want to take away uh, the designed rollouts and short passes to the receivers in space. I want to show them looks that make them run the ball and see if they can take it all the way down the field against me. Uh, and, and Prescott, does Prescott have another one of those games in him? Because he's never been in a great playoff run. I don't think he does. This is terrific San Francisco defense. You must block Joey Bosa. Uh, I don't like the Bosa's. Is this, is this one Joey? I can't get out of can, can, Yeah, it's this like the Morris. Is... It's like the Morris. It's like the Morris twins. Uh, I, I I don't know which one's which. This one is but, Nick. This one's Nick. Joey is the one that sounded off at the officials last week because he yeah, got they, those they, two they, unsportsmanlike penalties yeah, for being he's a an dick. Idiot. He's, an, he's, he's an idiot. Total idiot. They, they both have big mouths. They both play a year and a half at Ohio State. They're both hurt half the season. Uh, so they're, they're alike in many ways. I don't like either one of them for all those reasons. But he can play. Uh, yeah, th- this is the toughest game of the weekend to call for me because I want so badly to go against the grain and take Dallas to win outright. To win outright. And I just can't find a way to do it. I, I just have no faith in Dak Prescott playing well again against a really good defense. Uh, I think it's back to bad Dak. I could be dead wrong, but if they can't run the ball, it could get ugly. Let's also remember 
Robbie Gould has never missed, never missed a postseason field goal. Wow. And the Cowboys have a kicker who just missed four extra points. <laughs> I was trying to think if I'd ever seen a kicker miss three extra points in a game. There were legit misses, you know, not blocks, bad snaps. And I couldn't remember it. Lo and behold, it, well, while I was trying to think of it, he misses, he misses the first four. Yep. I'm going to say this is the tightest game of the weekend. And I'm going to go with the Niners. Twenty-three, the Cowboys. Seventeen. So yes, it's a cover at home, but barely. Yeah. Well, from what we've talked about, we're in for an exciting couple days of football, which is what well, we did. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't do the Jacksonville. Did we do the Jacksonville Kansas City game? Yeah. I do we get scores? I don't know if you, I don't think he gave a score. I think he just gave the over. Well, I've got, I've, I've got to give a score. Yeah, what's your score? I've got, I, I've, sure. I, I've got to give, I've got to give a score, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the Chiefs do what they usually do. Uh, this will be a game for a while, and then, you know who? Now, Nicole Hardman is out of this game. Nico, Nico Hardman is out of this game, so he's gonna miss one of his weapons. You know, can Doug Peterson keep this thing rolling and score enough to match them? What's the number? Nine. Eight? Nine. I'm going to give you a backdoor cover. I'm going to give you a backdoor cover. Thirty-eight for Kansas City, and I'm going to say a late touchdown. Uh, by the Prince gets it to 38-34. Wow. Garbage cover. That will be 38, make 38-31. That'll be 38-24, and uh, they get the last-minute touchdown, last-second touchdown for a garbage cover. 38-31, Kansas City. There you go, folks. Some picks for the divisional round. As we always say, fade accordingly, because that's your best option, most likely. But from what we've said and what we tried to break down and preview a little bit here. Kansas City-Buffalo rematch. Yeah. Exciting. Niners and the Eagles. You can't go wrong. A championship game in Philadelphia. Hide the women and children. <laughs> Dear God. Not for the fate of art. Send away the news teams. Don't even bring a camera on what's going on. Everything from above. Choppers only. It's In fact, you may, want to, you, may, you may want to be high, you may want to be a little higher up. Blimp. <laughs> Blimp. It's the only way you'll be safe. Take a flight out of there and then wave goodbye in the, in the plane because everything else going down below, just get out. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks, for my part of the great John Tiny Lund, I am Al Renato, AKL from White Plains. Have a tremendous NFL playoff weekend.
We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.